Welcome to Just Us for Justice from Consumer Attorneys of California. I'm J.G. Preston. The California legislature has taken its annual four-week summer recess. Legislators are now back in Sacramento for the final weeks of the legislative year. It ends on September 14th. CAOC's legislative advocates will, as always, be paying careful attention at the Capitol, protecting our members and our California consumers. CAOC's Deputy Legislative Director Jackie Cerna is with me. Hi, Jackie. Hi, JD. Nice to see you. Uh, What's on your radar for these closing weeks? Well, there's quite a lot um, left on the agenda before we wrap up for the 2023 legislative year. But when we come back uh, from the summer recess on August 14th, we have the big appropriations committee um, deadline. So that's the process where any fiscal bills have to get out of the uh, respective appropriations committees, and then they're able eligible for the floor at that point. And we have some specific bills we're looking at there? Yeah, so we have one of our priority bills, SB 365 by Senator Weiner, and that bill will be heard on the Wednesday after we come back from the summer recess in the Assembly Appropriations Committee. And we expect it and hopefully it will come out of that committee and then we'll be moving on to the Assembly floor. So tell me a little bit more about SB 365 and what it will do for Californians. Sure. So this bill is a really important bill that will help prevent frivolous appeals of motions to compel arbitration when they are denied. So this is a corporate tactic that is used to delay cases, uh, could delay your case and really accountability um, from anywhere from one to three years uh, while an appeal is decided on the case. So what our bill does is it gives a judge discretion to stay the underlying case or not, rather than it being automatically stayed which, you know, when a stay occurs, it basically freezes everything. You're not able to do discovery. Witnesses may move away or pass away. Um, so it really makes accountability for uh, when a person is wronged a lot difficult, a lot more difficult for um, consumers and those, their advocates that are trying to seek redress for their harms. So, and a lot, of the t- a lot of times these cases wind up proceeding anyway. It's just they get delayed in the process. So we're trying to eliminate an unnecessary delay. Exactly. And there's um, our actually our allies on this bill are not only the employment bar, which, of course, we see this happen a lot in employment cases, but actually the attorney general of California is a co-sponsor on this bill. And we have a very important example of the need for this bill and something that happened to them, um, because when they brought a case against the two major ride sharing companies, Uber and Lyft, for misclassification of workers, the companies filed these meritless appeals of the, when their motion to compel arbitration was denied. Of course, they were denied. There was no um, arbitration agreement signed by the AG that would be un- enforced against them. So they still have this automatic right to appeal, and that has actually frozen the case and therefore accountability against them for now three years. And so yeah. it really shows you the harm that happens to you know, the one of the most powerful entities in the state, the attorney general, but also to the average consumer, when this happens to them, it just really makes their um, their case a lot more difficult and draw, drags it out, which is the whole intent. So if SB 365 or something like that had been passed already, this case would be proceeding. It, it wouldn't be stuck in the mud like this. Right, because it would give judges that discretion that they need. Um, and in, in a case like this with Uber and Lyft, they would have been able to say, no, we're not going to stay the underlying proceedings and they're going to be able to you know, go ahead with the case. And the AG would be able to move forward on this case rather than freezing it for three years. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, any other bills either that we're supporting or opposing that we're uh, monitoring in these final weeks of the session? Well, we always are on the lookout for so-called um, gut and amends. So these are bills that, you know, uh, people will introduce late in the session to try to avoid the normal process, the legislative process where you have to go to the committees and all of that. Um, so those are always very dangerous. In, in the past, we've seen bills that come down trying to limit rights or that are in response to a negative court ruling against a corporation. So they'll often try to seek um, legislative um, you know, intervention in that case to help them if they think they're going to lose a case or if they recently lost a case to undo it. So obviously that would be really harmful for consumers. And we always try to step in and stop that. And um, we've typically been successful. Uh, one bill this year that would have done something very similar to this was introduced and thankfully CAOC intervened and was able to amend it and to um, prevent this from happening. But it would have taken away the rights of workers who were suing airlines for um, meal and rest violations. And so this was on behalf of pilots and um, flight attendants. And so CAOC stepped in and was able to preserve the cases that had already been brought um, because it was trying to be, you know, basically trying to wipe out existing cases. And that was the intent of the law. And we were able to prevent that. So that shows you the types of bills that can be typically introduced in the last few weeks of session and the role that CAOC plays and why we have to be so vigilant in these last five weeks. Well, CAOC's already had a number of successes at the Capitol this year, uh, both pro-consumer bills that have been passed and anti-consumer bills that have been defeated. Can you give me some of the highlights of those? Yes. So this year we saw an attempt to require any funding provided to plaintiffs via non-recourse advances or any litigation funding to be disclosed. And so that would have been disclosed not only to um, the defense, Council, but also to anybody, all parties that would have made this information that's incredibly sensitive um, available to any. And so that would have been hugely detrimental to plaintiffs. And we were able to amend that bill um, so that it wasn't harmful to consumers. Now, what did we accomplish regarding remote access to the courts? So our bill SB 21 was put into the budget process. So it, instead of requiring legislative action, because we were so effective with that bill, they adopted it as part of the budget, the state budget. And so that was able to go into effect immediately on in July, which is great. Um, CAOC had been fighting to you know extend this uh, access to the courts um, after the pandemic. And so now we've been able to do so. Of course, this is the first of a two-year legislative session before this particular group of legislators is up for re-election or whatever. Uh, and there are such things as two-year bills that start this year and then continue next year. And we've got one of those, right, Jackie? Yes, our priority bill, SB 278 by Senator Dodd, is a two-year bill. So that bill got all the way through the process, made it into the Assembly Banking Committee, and it's being held there. And so we expect to have that bill come back in January. And uh, we're you know, getting ready for that. And then it'll have the rest of the year to get through, which is great because that gives us time to deal with some of the issues that we ran into with opposition by the banking industry and try to work out um, a way to make that bill um, feasible and workable for consumers because obviously this problem is huge. We see the problem of financial elder abuse where people are losing their entire life savings. Banks are not doing enough. They're the 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 gate where the gatekeepers of not only your money financially, but really they could make uh, an impact by asking questions if they suspect abuse. They're already mandated reporters under existing law. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be doing more to protect 
seniors when they suspect that they're being victimized. Yeah, tell me a little more about what we want SB 278 to do. I know I know it's not in it's necessarily its final form yet, but uh, what, what's the goal here? So SB 278 is a very important bill that will help seniors when they are victims of financial elder abuse. Right now, their burden, if they're trying to hold, let's say, a bank that assisted in the financial abuse is incredibly high depending on the court that they end up in. Some federal courts are requiring that they prove that the bank had actual knowledge of the fraud being committed, which would basically account to someone coming in telling the bank teller, hey, I'm being defrauded. That would be the requirement to hold them accountable in some federal courts. And that's not the intent of the law. That's not why California passed that law. So we're trying to correct that. We're trying to make sure that seniors can have accountability against those who assist, including banks, not just banks, but including banks. And we want to ensure that those people who are at the front lines, that they're the ones witnessing a lot of this occurring in their branches, that they take bigger steps to help prevent it. Give me an example, if you could, Jackie, about what kind of thing we're talking about. Uh, Say someone's been given an email or a phone call, uh, an elder person who's uh, being asked to send a lot of money to goodness knows wherever they need to do it through their bank, wire it or whatever, and they go into the bank. What, what What could the bank do to help prevent that kind of fraud? Right. So banks are already mandated reporters under existing law, and they're supposed to report to law enforcement and APS, the the agency in charge of overseeing this type of crime. They're supposed to report when they suspect financial abuse is occurring. And so they have a number of red flags that they are taught and trained to identify and to report. So when those red flags are present and in a transaction that is being requested by an elderly person over the age of 65, they should scrutinize it. They should ask questions. They should follow policies and procedures to help prevent the person's money from being lost. Because once that money you know, is wired to the foreign country or what have you, they will not be able to get it back. That's life savings is gone. And so they do have the ability to stop that from happening if they follow their own policies and procedures. And one example of this is recently, you know, a woman went into a credit union here in Sacramento. She was over the age of 65. She was being defrauded. She had no idea. Typically, they're very, very um, effective. The The fraudsters, you know, they are able to convince you of whatever they want to convince you of. And she went into her credit union and was asking for these huge wire transfers that were very uncharacteristic of her normal practice. And so again, red flags were present. The credit union did the right thing. They said, we will not do those transactions. We cannot help you. We suspect there is fraud. And even though she resisted at first, they would not process them. And then she was able to prevent her, like I think it was $25,000 from being lost to a scam. Um, because they simply questioned her and said, you know, no, we suspect this is fraud. It's common. We've heard these fact patterns before and they stepped in and that's actually what they should be doing. Um, Unfortunately, in many cases that we've run into uh, with victims that are, you know, suffering from this very problem, that is not happening. And they are routinely, you know, processing transactions that they know are very likely fraudulent. And again, once the person, you know, comes to terms with what's happened to them, maybe their family finds out because they ran out of money. And that's finally when they might tell their their family members. They they come to the realization that they've been scammed. And at that point the bank says, sorry, there's nothing we can do. And you know, that's what we're trying to correct. We're not we're not only trying to incentivize the banks to take more action and prevent this, because I think that's the biggest impact, but we're also trying to help those victims that do have this happen to them 
seek accountability from those banks that when they are negligent, when they do these things that they shouldn't be doing. And by adding accountability, we would hope then to add vigilance on that end so these things just wouldn't happen in the first place. Right, right. If more of them were like this credit union that I'm a member of here in Sacramento, we would have a lot less of this problem. And so that's the kind of, you know, impact that a bill like this could have, especially as our senior population is making, you know, we're falling more for these types of scams, not just them, but everyone. We're all so susceptible to these scams, but the law was intended to protect uh, a vulnerable population, which is our seniors, and it should be doing so. So, Jackie, it's not just the state capitol that uh, you, you and your colleagues in our advocacy group are monitoring. It's also the state bar. What uh, can you report about uh, what, what state bar activities you're looking at right now? Absolutely. Consumer Attorneys is always closely monitoring any legislative efforts and other efforts to reform the state bar. There's been a lot this year on attorney discipline and reporting, and the CAOC has been monitoring those bills and weighing in where needed. It will continue to do so on any legislation that impacts attorneys in our state. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Appreciate your uh, time and your insight on these issues. Thank you for having me, JG. That's Jackie Serna, CAOC's Deputy Legislative Director. I'm J.G. Preston. I'll see you again on our next edition of Just Us for Justice from Consumer Attorneys of California, produced by Cutter Hicks. 